This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Hughes takes it for Miller at the line. Back to Miller, left circle. Now to Patterson, right side with room. Wait, shoots, scores! Elias Patterson fires it past Elvis Merzlikens. Short side over the glove. And the Canucks retake the lead. It's 3-2 to two with a power play goal. Goals behind the net. And a battle ensues as Roslevic kicks it up front. They score! Instant reaction from the players and coaches. New shooter for the Canucks. Two for three in his career. He's got to score. Into the slot. Shooter deeks to the backhand. Stopped by Merzlikens. And the Blue Jackets win. They spoil the Canucks end of the road trip. Vancouver finishes 5-1-1 one one through seven games. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks lose in a shootout in Columbus against the Blue Jackets, wrapping up a seven-game road trip, 5-1-1. One, and one. Finally lost the game, holding on, uh, having a lead heading into the third period. Now 25-0-1 on the season. Can win them all. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show, presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Sati here Arsh- comes the regression. Uh, well, it happens. You regress. You lose some games here and there. It's Satyar Shaw with Bicknessar. And as always, uh, get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 65650. You can also grab a phone line 604 280 0650 or toll free 1 275 0650. We are going to bring in Randy Janda into the conversation in just a moment, but I have a really hard time being overly critical of uh, the Canucks after this performance. I mean, honestly, I think this was maybe their worst performance on the road trip. I even think against the Blues, they weren't great against the Blues, but they pushed back a little bit. It was back and forth a little. The Canucks were clearly out of gas about halfway through this game, especially in the second and the third period. Did pretty, They were doing a pretty good job, generally, uh, not allowing too many chances in the third, but Columbus breaks through, and even in the shootout attempt, Vic, I mean, the Canucks looked exhausted even taking shootout attempts. I mean, no yeah. creativity. Uh, you could just see the looks on the players' faces. So with all that being in mind, I'm not going to be overly critical of the Canucks losing uh, a lead for the first time and not winning after two periods. Travel issues, all withstanding and, and everything. Um, yeah, the final 40 and OT uh, weren't overly inspiring, but if you need inspiration, look no further than 5-1-1 one, and one on the road trip, garnering 11 points, and especially at the beginning of the season, Sat, you know, what was the trip we all talked about? It was this one. It, it was you know, kind of keeping an eye out and saying, all right, that post, you know, Christmas road trip has been issues for yeah. the team in the past, and this was going to be the grueling one. Now they got one more coming up here uh, in February, but the seven gamer was the one where it felt like it was the tipping point for a lot of people this season. They get 10 of. Uh, the available 14. That's unbelievable. 11 out of Sorry, 14. 11 of the available 14, yes. Yeah, even uh, better. Even better. I mean, you really can't ask for too much more in terms of results on this seven-game road trip. Let's bring in Randeep into the conversation. Uh, what is your overall thought here uh, in terms of how this game went and uh, where the Canucks stand after this road trip? Yeah, it was one of those games, I think, after 40 minutes, you're essentially saying, hey, it hasn't been pretty, but you got the lead, close this one out. And guys, overall, over 60 minutes, it's you pick up a point. It's not the way that the team would have wanted, but the 41 shots on goal that Columbus had kind of show you that this was... This was a game that they were tired. We could see that in the third period. And I think overall, it's got to be tough. Coming in late, 
you know, even watching some of the guys walk into on the camera that they were showing on the television broadcast as well, you could see they, they looked a little haggard from maybe a, a late night of travel and, and getting ready for today's game. So I, I know that, you know, some of the players in that room will be saying, hey, we had this. There's an opportunity for us to take the two points in regulation and not take this to overtime, not take this to a shootout. But Overall, yeah, you expect that late in a road trip where these guys are tired. They've had to travel a lot. Uh, so I think most of most of all, you get that point and you get that 11 points out of 14, right? When we talk about moving the goalpost and expectations on a road trip, if somebody had come to you and said, hey, if they pick out 11-14, I think a lot of people in this market would say, great road trip. Yeah, you run and you take those points and you're happy with that. So uh, maybe not the way that the team wanted to end it off, but overall you can understand why maybe they're lacking energy. They, they've had a, an interesting 24 hours here, boys. Yeah, the big thing is you got something out of it, right? Like yeah. I understand, and, and we'll we'll talk about some performances that probably weren't that spectacular as well throughout the post game show, and you can interact 650-650, but you get out of it with the a one point and – you know that, that's at least something to, to keep your head up high and just be like, all right, we survived it with something just to add to the road trip as well. Um, but as, as far as in general um, through this game, you know, I, I know it's tough through the fatigue, but it did feel like through stretches they did try to play to some staples. It just it was it felt like it was hard to be consistent with it. Oh, totally. And I think, you know, the second period is a classic example where, where they're trying. And I think early on in this game, there was a, um, you know, maybe a little bit too intricate in their own zone. And when you're lacking that energy, trying to make that play or, or the cohesion's not necessarily there. And you can go back to a couple of plays where there was the JT Miller pass to, to Quinn Hughes that mm-hmm. turned into a chance, uh, in the middle, right in the middle. Nikita Zadorov trying to wheel away from trouble and, and that leads to an opportunity for Columbus going the other way as well. I believe it was Roslovic with that opportunity. So, you know, there were moments where you're saying, okay, hey, head up, trying to try to buy yourself a second to make that stretch pass. But sometimes, guys, you know, the simple play is the best play in a game like this where you're feeling it, uh, you're feeling tired, and you're just trying to relieve pressure. So I think there was an attempt to stick to their staples in the third period where you could see 30-second shifts, trying to get it out, make the simple plays, keep it deep, but... You know, that's all right as long as you're able to get the puck out of your zone. And Ian Cole uh, had a couple of opportunities on that 3-3 goal. Couldn't get it done. You can ex- you can see that, you know, a number of players are tired on that shift, not only because of the shift, but overall just the way that this game played out and this trip played out. So uh, I think there was an attempt to stick to their uh, structure and their, their staples, but, man, tired bodies are tired bodies. And, and if you can't, you know, even though you try to stick to your structure and, and that helps you in moments like that, uh, that third period, you could see that they were skating in cement. Yeah, you could really see. I mean, uh, you, you saw it in the third. You saw it in overtime as well. And just in the shootout attempts, I mean, the looks on the players' faces and, and just how, like, meek some of those attempts were. It just like just couldn't really muster too much out. Well, the OT even just looked – or the the OT power play looked a bit slow and lethargic and then cap it off the with pe- the penalty. Yeah, the penalty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. You know, just the, the type of stuff you don't normally see. You know, Eric mentions uh, how, how awful the players look like look in the shootout. I mean, I get it. And the thing with me in the shootouts is I just don't care. Because, like, the, you don't use it in the postseason. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to get too worked up over, um, you know, players looking good or looking bad in the shootout. Kuzmenko came in uh, with his hair on fire, then shot the puck into a pad. So it's like, I mean, 
it's one of those things where each I, player's I, got their own style at it. I'm yeah. so like over the shootout in general, and it's yeah. not in any way indicative of what a team is or isn't, especially in the postseason. But for people that want to know, some people are texting in. You know, Miller does that snake move, and people are commenting that they don't like it very much. Uh, so I, if I'm doing my math correctly, since coming to Vancouver, he's now eight for twenty eight in shootout attempts, which would put him at twenty eight point five percent, which is so, not bad. It's, it's not great, but it's, it's not, not bad. Twenty eight percent of your shootout attempts. I think it puts him in line for like 70th in the league in that stretch. Again, that's not horrible. <laughs> it's, it's not the worst. Come on, we've seen some bad shootout efforts sure. here in Vancouver. Yeah, it's we've fine. seen a lot. I mean, again, I'm not saying it's good. All I'm saying is, again, like, and somebody was, people are texting in and saying, why didn't Hoaglander get a chance or instead of Suter or Besser, Besser for instance? Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. You can you can make those things. I'm just so over the shootout, guys. Like, in, in general, general yeah. like, I just watch it. I'm like, to me, a game ends once the sh- oh, oh, overtime's over. The rest is like, here's circus and regulation. Yeah, that's kind of how it is. But regardless, if we're being honest about it, though, it, like it wasn't the Canucks' cleanest performance. And no. w- what we're looking at is, okay, you know, like I said, you got a point. It's fine. You got 11 out of 14 points. I have a hard time being critical. What's going to be interesting is what, what it looks like when the team comes back home, right? They have uh, the game against the Coyotes on Thursday. Now, the Coyotes are a team that if you don't play your best, they're going to make you pay. And Columbus, obviously not a high-end team. What we're going to really get an idea of is what we saw on the road, how much of that they can they can bring over and if we're looking at what this team is heading on heading back home for their homestand now how much confidence should people have in their club well first of all like this was a tough tough road trip and the fact that they're coming back with these points and you know I know the last two games haven't still been the greatest from an offensive perspective, but Elias Patterson picks up another two points. The lotto line does its thing. They pick up a power play goal. Uh, they're coming back with a lot of confidence. He's coming back the number one star in the NHL this past week. So, you know, a couple of things to watch on home ice. And one of them is you have control of the matchups. Do you still load up with that lotto line or do you kind of deviate a little bit? Does Rick Tockett uh, go back to what we've seen maybe in the past? So that's one thing to watch. I wouldn't personally because I, I'd still like to see how teams can deal with that line when you have control of the matchups. And to me, you know, I, the Dakota Joshua line scores another goal. Uh, you start looking at what that fourth line has been able to do on the four check. Uh, Sam Lafferty scores the last game, but I, I w- still want to see those guys get an opportunity to be that 10 minute energy line where they're able to, you know, bring that aggressive forward check. Uh, Niels Hoaglander, when he's playing in the bottom six, he's just so much more comfortable being that pest and being aggressive. Where in the top six, I feel like sometimes, even though he's produced, he's sometimes maybe overthinking it. So, you know, this does provide a little bit of an option here in that Arizona game to say, all right, we expect to see very much the same what you were able to produce on the road. So I, I wouldn't deviate too much. Uh, I do wonder how Rick Tockett treats the back end, though, right? Like we've seen on a road trip, they were swapping out Juleson and Cole. Is that something he goes back to? Because last time I checked, Noah Juleson didn't do anything bad to get out of the lineup. Uh, that's one area that I would look at and say, is there potentially a change just to shake it up a little bit on the back end? Cole in general, and, and this isn't a statement about a season, but I thought tonight was a really rough game for him. Like he took a penalty, um, the the first goal, um, he's kind of behind the net on, and even later, just felt like he was kind of fighting. Like the the tying goal as well, uh, you know, has his issues with the puck there as well. Just felt like a very if, if we're looking at one person that maybe had their toughest game in the environment, uh, g- given the context of them playing this game today, I, I thought Ian Cole maybe was that guy. Yeah, on that one, uh, the first goal, the Chinikov goal, he gets caught behind the net and then isn't able to go to the front of the net to take Chinikov on the goal. A little bit later, he's caught in transition, uh, which is 
you know, caught flat-footed. Doesn't lead to a goal, but leads to, I believe it was a Roslovic chance going mm-hmm. back the other way. And then you mentioned it. Uh, the 3-3 goal, there's a couple of opportunities to get the puck out of the zone. Isn't able to do that. You know, here's, here's the thing, I think, which is something that um, if you're Rick Tockett and Adam Foote, maybe you look at that play and say, okay, you aren't able to get the puck out immediately. That happens. But he chases the puck to the right-hand side. He leaves the right-hand side, goes to the left, and still isn't able to get the puck out of the zone. And that creates a little bit of a chain of reaction, right? Zadorov's already on that side. You vacate the right-hand side. And eventually, uh, we saw uh, the Columbus uh, Blue Jackets end up scoring that goal. But you're chasing on that play. And guys, compounding mistakes, that's generally what you tr- uh, you know do when you're a little tired. Maybe you start uh, thinking of the game a little differently. But that was a change. And I thought Ian Cole, you know, when he's playing his game, you don't notice him. He's making the simple play. Maybe steps up and is aggressive in the neutral zone. He's physical. Today, you noticed him uh, quite a bit. Part of that could be fatigue, but a part of it is also, uh, I think, especially on that 3-3 goal, it's he's trying to make up for his mistake and unfortunately compounds with another one. And that's something that this team has not done this season. They've been really, really good at that. I think that's one area that if you're Ian Cole, you're probably looking in the mirror and saying, all right, maybe next time just play a little safer. If I make that initial mistake, don't follow it up with another one where I'm going out of my way, maybe reaching to try to get the puck out of the zone. Problem is, if you don't get it out, you've left that right-hand side all open. Yeah, and and that's one of the things on the defensive zone coverage, uh, something that they can look at on this game. And uh, you can always get better and tighter with how you play. It's just one of those games overall, considering the fatigue. And I know some people mm-hmm. say, well, these things, Steve Owen Stanton just says, I don't want to hear about excuses. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this as saying you picked up 11 out of 14 points on this road trip. You know, you're not going to pick up 100% of the points the rest of the season. You're going to drop some points along the way. And if this is how you drop some points in this type of a game at the end of a road trip, I can live with it. Like, I'm not going to be upset about it. And it's about how these things come together. It's funny, though. If I were to tell you before the road trip they're going to lose to St. Louis and they're only going to get one point out of the St. Louis and Columbus games, you would kind of wonder if they would have a good road trip, right? Yeah. But that's what happened, and they still won five out of the seven. Yeah, you still pick up a point on the last one as well. And and guys, you know, I think, you know, we'll see what Rick Tockett says on this front, but I would be uh I would not be surprised if he says learning lesson in this one because when we talk about the schedule we talk about the you know the fatigue that this team is going through it's very similar to what you experience in the playoffs right a war of attrition where you're banged up you're on the road maybe not for seven games at a time but at the very least you're playing every other day you've got a, a seven game grueling series uh, of you know physical hockey where sure the buffalo game was physical to a certain extent this one wasn't really that much uh but you're gonna you're gonna get a, more of that and and i think with that it's a okay learning how to play tired they've done a good job of it i think this trip was an example that buffalo game was an example of you pull out a victory when you know you're not playing your best hockey they nearly did it again and that was a, a credit to you know mentally being prepared for the first 40 minutes even though uh they didn't play their best hockey they scored they were opportunistic and i think credit goes to casey DeSmith as well in that second period making 21 saves right that was that was a guy that was on his game but there will be a uh I think taking an experience um, and using that experience as a, as a learning lesson where you're saying, hey, you played solid 40 minutes, but boys, this is what, this is what playoff hockey is like. You're going to be more tired in April, so use this as an example of how you need to get better and what you do in those moments. 
Yeah, and you know, just overall too, uh, when we look at the forward group, the lotto line has been terrific, and I mean, they scored a bunch of goals tonight too. They got on the man advantage. Uh, they were doing their thing. Uh, Pedersen got one. JT Miller got one. They created some opportunities, but in terms of their sustained pressure and, and how they played, they really haven't, you know had the same type of impact they've had for a couple of games. The Buffalo game, obviously, they weren't at their best either. Not that it mattered. They still won that hockey game. So one thing I'm kind of keeping my eye on here as they get back home, Randeep, how well do they have to play for the head coach to keep these guys together? Yeah, and that's a big question, right? Because in the Pittsburgh game, we can say, hey, they're playing against Sidney Crosby and... Pittsburgh's chasing that game a little bit, so the numbers, the underlying numbers, look a little skewed because you've got one team that's really loading on the pressure. They come back to tie that game, and the numbers kind of change, especially in the third period, where the last two games, you didn't have, you know, big-time talent like that. No disrespect to Tage Thompson, but we're, we're talking about on their night, the lotto line is one of the best lines in hockey, and we've seen that over the last week or so. And this game, this is a team that Columbus, you know, struggled. But the Canucks and the Lotto line produced. But is there a, is there a moment of okay, you're starting to a little flatline a little bit, a little bit for their standards? And are you getting offense from the other lines? And I, I know Dakota Joshua's line scored today. Sam Lafferty scored uh, the previous game, but you need to see that sustained, right? And if these other lines can kind of pick it up even more so, and I'm, I'm looking at the Mikheyev line and the Kuzmenko line to say, if you're pro- able to provide a little bit more depth scoring and you are providing some support so you don't worry about the lotto line so much where, hey, maybe they might have an off game. But if they don't you know, pick up that scoring slack, especially that Mikheyev line, uh, do you start looking and saying, okay, we need a little bit more balance? I, I would still roll with this line. I think the the schedule at hand, there's some real good matchups that you've got here. You go through that New York schedule. Uh, you play against the Panarin and Zibanejad line. You win those matchups. Um, you know, I think if you can do that, that gives you an extended runway to take advantage of some matchups here at home. But you do... You do have to consider that if they do not produce against the Coyotes or if they do not produce in the next couple of games here. But right now, I'd roll with it because, guys, we talk about it often, right? How many lines can you, how, how many lines can compete with this right now? So, especially with the matchups that are coming up here on home ice, I would still roll with this. But I think Rick Tockett has hinted at that, you know, when this line was started, he, he would look at it situationally. When they're producing, it's hard to go away from it. Um, another couple of points tonight. Or today, and and I I do wonder about that because I think most coaches would like that balance if they can have it. Yeah, I, I think they would love to have the balance, but you also ride the hot hand. So we'll see ultimately what happens. The Canucks have picked up points in six straight games. Their winning streak, however, comes to an end tonight. Today in Columbus against the Blue Jackets. Don't worry, I'm doing it too, man. Don't I worry. I know, I know. It's a, it's, I'm all over the place. But Randy, great stuff calling the game alongside Batch. We look forward to chatting with you on Thursday when the Canucks are finally back home hosting the Arizona Coyotes. All right, boys, I'm taking a nap. See you later. <laughs> See you later, man. Uh, that is Randeep Janda. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650, or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Bic, and, and a lot of reaction on the text inbox. Generally speaking, uh, people are pretty happy with the Canucks mm-hmm. picking up points, but also uh, some concern about losing this game and, and what, what fans see as a bit of a trend. Well, quality of competition is what a lot of the textures are, are mentioning. You know, it is Columbus. Is this the one that you want to lose? I, I, I just think, you know, all 82 games aren't played in a vacuum, right? And there's some people that, you know, texting in. You mentioned this, the Steve in Saanich one where he's mentioning, you know, 
these games are the ones you want to win. It's, I don't want to hear about a long road trip or uh, travel adversity. They've been sitting in a bus for two days and on planes. Big deal. And they continue <laughs> to sit by disrespecting their opponents. You can see it when they scored. A little passion. That's Devo and Sanich. Just wanted to read that one out. Yeah. Look, there, there's some of that sentiment coming in. but I thought they had a great start. I mean, they outshot them, took the one nothing lead. They had nothing until they tied the game. And then, you know, Columbus grew mm-hmm. into the game a little bit. But I thought in terms of taking the, uh, their opponent seriously. They led after 20. They led after 40. 40. Again, the, the final 40 minutes weren't fantastic. OT no, but, but how many itself? chances did Columbus have in the third period even? They scored on one of, the, one of them, but they didn't have a ton of scoring chances in the, in the third period. Okay, so natural stat trick has them at two high dangers in the third. Yeah. I mean, they scored. Don't it, get me wrong. It felt like the type of game that I think we thought we'd see all season yeah. from the Canucks because there was a lot of trepidation coming into the season. Obviously, they've surpassed expectations. But again, this was the type of game we thought you'd see be, you know, clumpy and a bit, you know bouncy actually we're getting a lot of text here by the way oh about uh, the ice i love it man so big shout out to ice cruise in yes. the lower mainland because we got a text here uh from uh i just want to make sure i get these ones right uh we got a text from here let me bring the, this there's a few i, I worked at the Birdby winter club yeah someone at columbus needs to figure out how to make the ice better the puck didn't sit flat at all in the third period. And also another text from, I worked at Surrey Rec Center. I'd have been fired if the ice was that bad. No excuse for it being that bad. In an arena, never gets concerts, and in a cold climate. And then uh, somebody texted in, sorry for getting a lot of texts from rec centers right now. We have a group chat. We're all just (laughs) raging. The ice being that bad is the equivalent of the Raiders trying to play that preseason game in Winnipeg a few years ago. No excuse for it, especially when your building is in cold climate. So even the ice crew, Folks are mad. Which yeah, shout out. And I, I, I like that they got a CDY group chat going. Well, you know what? People are talking about what, what's with all the shots and trying to go five hole. Uh, Daniel and Burnaby must have been some kind of scouting report. They all try to go five hole. Do you think it was because of the ice? Why they shot and they didn't try to overhandle it? The ice is really bad. You don't want to try. Mm-hmm. You probably go try shooting the puck instead of trying to overhandle the puck. Yeah, it's a good shout. Just, just kind of wondering in, in terms of putting those two things together. Uh, I want to read this text from G and Burnaby. He's a disappointed in the fact that every time they have a lead, they sit back and ends up becoming a shooting gallery in their zone. Uh, good offense and defense if they just keep playing the way they were at the, at the start of the games they could keep going forward um they should put their foot through and win these games instead of sitting back and come out flying in and taking the game until the other team scores and they don't try to score gene from abbotsford doesn't like the fact that canucks sit back i mean okay i know the coach himself mentioned this against pittsburgh he thought that they were sitting back a bit too much but i think they've done a really good job with the lead i mean they're 25 0 and 1 26 0 and 1 sorry 26 0 and 1 having a lead through the first 40 minutes. Uh, has it been a bit too much sitting back the last couple of games? Sure. But in terms of how the team has been with the lead, I don't know how you can be overly concerned when all they've done is drop a single point having a lead heading into the third period. And look, score effects plays a role in that those teams that are trailing are naturally going to try to push the tempo, push bodies forward, to try to get more shot attempts. So yeah, like if you just looked at the facts and, and, and the stats of it, yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of shots against. I can try to bring up the uh, shot differentials by period here um but yeah it would overwhelmingly favor um yeah like so the other teams yeah so right now so at all strengths in the third period shot attempts were 14 13 for columbus so they had one more shot attempt than vancouver did in the third period and they had two scoring chances high dangers canucks had four okay so, so on the year they are minus 71 shot differential in the third period which is eighth worst in the league but again 
the context of they're always leading in the third period. Yeah, and there's usually two goal leads in the third period. Yeah, so teams, and, they, they invite some of the pressure. It's true, but they've been successful with it. And even against uh, Pittsburgh, when they scored that goal late, they had zero high-danger scoring chances. The only chance they scored on was even strength when they pulled the goalie. So they're giving up some volume, but they're de- defending really well. There's a reason why they've been able to win so many games with the lead through the first 40 minutes. But... Hey, any criticism, any critique is fair. Uh, we're not looking at this team as saying they're just going to make the playoffs. People are wondering, can this team actually do something come playoff time? So the bar has raised and the expectations are higher and it's fair to critique and wonder. If it was constantly chaotic and it's the Smith and Demko, you know, ranging from post to post, diving saves. Yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't be 26-0-1. Although the Smith made some really good saves but, tonight. <laughs> yes, but you know, two maybe you were on him. Uh, should he have played the puck on the first goal? Was he tight to the post on the third goal? Certainly some things that you can question. Um, but, you know, Casey DeSmith now improves to 7-3-3. Three, and three. So there he is sitting with 17 points and 14 starts. We we say, like, if you're going to be the backup goaltender, 20-25 starts, that's what you kind of earmark to begin with, and you grow from there. Well, he's three points away from 20 right now. Yeah. He's done his job in a big, big way. And again, they get a point today. Yeah, they did. They uh, did a great job picking up a point. Uh, let's take one phone call here before the, we before we hit the break. 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And let's go to Steve and Victoria. Steve, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts today? Well, I guess, you know, obviously we've got a third line, a fourth line, and a first line, but I don't think we have a second line, and I'm really concerned about Kuzmenko. Tockett's giving this guy ice time on the power play, using using him in the shootout when Besser's sitting on the bench, and I think he's got like zero or one points the last seven games he's played. I don't know if they're trying to show him off so that somebody else in the league will want him, but this guy is not doing anything. I mean, he's got no points, and he's playing on the power play. Like, what is going on? He's, he's, he's in the shootout when Besser and Hughes are sitting on the bench? Like, what's going on? Hey, Steve, thanks for the phone call. And you know what? I, I it's, think It's I, a very common complaint coming around. We're going to bring it up at some point as well. Um, but there's a lot of people texting in, Mac and Predictin, saying time to rethink the suitor line. Uh, there, there, there's a lot of complaints for the second line. You know what? Let's talk about that on the other side. Mm-hmm. Because tonight, today, it's one of those things. I'm not sure that costs you today, but in terms of as the season goes on here, I think you're starting to see and will see why the team wants to add another top six forward. We'll tell you why that should work out more. Let's get more of your text messages in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. After a 4-3 Canucks shootout loss in Columbus against the Blue Jackets, however, coming away 5-1-1 on this seven-game road trip, picking up 11 out of a possible 14 points. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show, presented by the Number 5 Orange, a Vancouver legend. They've got sports, too. More coming up in the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Second power play of the game for the Canucks. They are 0 for 1 as Hughes takes it for Miller at the line. Back to Miller, left circle. Now to Pedersen, right side with room. Wade shoots, scores! Elias Pedersen fires it past Elvis Merzlikens. Short side over the glove. And the Canucks retake the lead. It's 3-2 to two with a power play goal from Elias Pedersen. If you give him time on that right-hand side, he'll make you pay. 
And that's exactly what Columbus did, where the Canucks, through JT Miller and Quinn Hughes, set up on the left-hand side, but a nice cross-ice feed to Elias Pettersson, and Columbus just freezes there. They see he's got the puck, and nobody comes over to his side to take that lane, and he goes glove side on Merzlikens. Elias Pettersson scores a nice feed from JT Miller, and that is tonight's play of the game brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Uh, the Canucks had a lead at that point, 3-2, and ended up losing 4-3 in a shootout in Columbus to wrap up a seven-game road trip where the Canucks picked up 11 out of 14 points. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text number box, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604 50. And on that play, uh, we've had a lot of people texting in, criticizing the Canucks power play. And that's fair. I mean, the Canucks power play has not looked uh, as cohesive as it looked the first 17 games of the season where they were on a torrid 38%, 30% efficiency. And since then, they've kind of been in that 15% range in terms of conversion rate, which is not anywhere near where they're capable of being and where they should be. However, that sequence and the way they scored the goal is a type of goal that you want to see, the type of passing you want to see, and especially being able to get that pass cross-seam from JT to, to Elias Pettersson, who doesn't make a mistake. Yeah, multiple passes, because Pettersson had a one-timer earlier. It's yeah. kind of a weak attempt, uh, but got it through into the net, created a bit of a scramble where Pettersson's part of the retrieval as well. Um but that's, you know, when JT's coming downhill, he's got options, right? Can I shoot the puck? Can I do this the the, the shot pass that we've seen Besser score mm-hmm. on here recently? Or now can you go to Elias Pettersson? And Pettersson, again, on that moment, uh, you know, has to handle the puck. Maybe it's because of the ice there in that spot too. Um, but ends up picking the spot perfectly. And he's got 23 now and adds to his total as a day. And he was announced first start of the week too. Uh, yeah. So a uh, very, very nice run here from Elias Pettersson. Not quite enough for the Vancouver Canucks, however, losing this one in a shootout. And that is the play of the game brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Drive through winter with confidence by switching to Toyo Tires, making tires for your road. Visit Delaney's OK Tire today on Fraser Highway in Langley. Now, we have a lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650-650, Bic. And we heard the call from Stephen Victoria. We'll take more of your phone calls in a moment. So hold on to your lines. We'll get to you momentarily. But on the topic of Andre Kuzmenko, mm-hmm. and we have a number of texts on that as well. Yeah, there's some complaints about the second line. And, you know, for the, the last caller, um, Stephen Victoria mentioning he hasn't produced. So it's no points in eight games now for Andre Kuzmenko, obviously getting power play time. He, you know, he doesn't handle the puck a lot on the power play. But here's the thing. It's like they don't really have other options. Their power play doesn't look as good as Philip Hronik when Philip Hronik goes on there. And if it's not Hronik, who's your next best option? They need somebody who can shoot him, and Garland's not a trigger man. So you're not putting him out? Is it shoot? Is it, is P.U. Suter? No, I'm not putting Suter in. He's got to play net front. Right. Do you try to go to Joshua? Again, like, this is how quickly you go down the lineup. You're thinking, oh, there's not really yeah. options here. But, yeah, more texts are coming in. 650, 650. Some people didn't mind. The second line, Colby from Salmon Arm. The E-Bug Tendy. We, we, we stopped getting player profile as your name, so add those to your uh, your text coming in here. If, 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 you're, if you're a player type, if you're a slick skating right-handed D-man, add that to your tag. Uh, but uh, Colby texts in saying, our second line may produce points, but they've been really, may not produce points, but they've been really good at putting uh, on the offensive pressure, which 
you know, is not going to be enough for some people, which is also fair. But just looking at tonight, as far as like the lines go, this is per natural stat trick and uh, what each line did tonight. Uh, looks like they that line thirteen and eleven. They had the favor in shots attempts. Mm-hmm. The Bluger line three to twelve. But they scored a goal. But they scored a goal. And uh, sometimes a goal can really shade the performance mm-hmm. one way or another. And yeah, sometimes the numbers kind of show a little bit different. Satan in, in Marple says, I don't know how you can look at Kuzmenko's game tonight and say he wasn't doing the right things. He had a few solid shifts that I think would have made Tockett happy. I assume that's why he was given the first shootout slot. That's an interesting text coming in. Um, and... Uh, I turned to you at one point and said, I'm not noticing much from Kuzmenko. I thought he was a bit better later in the game. In overtime, he had an in incredible In overtime, shift. definitely was a lot better. I, he was playing with Pedersen in overtime, and he tried to go hero mode. And he did a really good job buying space for himself, driving towards the net, did everything but score. And if he scores at one of those chances in overtime, it's going to be a far different discussion around Kuzmenko. But clearly, his game hasn't been where it needs to be. And trying to find that mix on the second line with Leas Pedersen is playing with JT Miller and Brock Besser does become a bit challenging. The thing is, like, you better have fresh legs. You've, you've played 13 minutes, 10 minutes here recently. It's not as if they're you know really taxing Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, so late in the game, yeah, I expect you to have some fresh legs. Uh, winds and up he playing, played 15, 39. Yeah, and, and 14 of those came in, in regulation. But in general, like, he, he's not, you know, straining himself a great deal. So, you know, I, I, it's, it's fair for people to, to demand production here. Like, eight points without a point. Eight is, games, yeah. is, is not good enough for Andre Kuzmenko. Hey, he needs a bottom line, and that's what they pay him for. Uh, Blair in Vancouver says Kuzi needs confidence, and Rick is trying to give it to him with the usage uh, today in Columbus against the Blue Jackets. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll continue through with the discussion, and we'll hear from the head coach coming up in a few moments. Uh, but let's get back to the phone board. 604-280-0650, toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Uh, and let's go to... Let's see here. Let's go to Bort in Maple Ridge. Bort, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts today? Oh, hey, guys. Uh, how are you doing? We're doing great. What's I've got? got a migraine right now listening to you guys and everybody else on the radio. You guys are acting like the Canucks just lost 6-0 when we've been playing absolutely fantastic. You're not going to win all the games. And we played for, and we got to a shootout tonight, and we still got – or not tonight, but today – I don't know if you guys just are thinking straight just because it's an wait, early wait, wait. game. Wait, wait, One second, one on second, board, board, just board. Really quickly. What did, what did Bick and I say? We said we gave him a lot of credit for winning this game. What are you criticizing us for? I, I, you guys were saying, like, oh, Kuzmenko. I, I, I know Kuzmenko isn't playing that. He almost won the game in overtime, I, I think. I twice. literally just said that. I didn't know you didn't. I literally just said Kuzmenko almost scored the winner in overtime when Hero Mode did everything but score. Oh, okay, okay, but it's just all these other people. You guys are you guys are all talking about breaking up the lines, even though they're not scoring at full pace. This isn't this isn't a video game, guys. I don't know like what you're, I, I don't know what you're complaining about, board. We didn't say anything about changing the lines. You guys are you guys are just getting all worried. We've lost one game. I'm, I'm going to be scared to turn on the radio if you guys have, we lost three games. You guys are going to be saying trade Miller probably. Bort, I really don't know what you're going on about. Thanks for your phone call, though. That's a really strange phone call. Are you talking to me? That's a really strange phone call. My son is also named Bort. Good good drop there by uh, Fast Eddie Gregory. That's a bit of a strange phone call. No, look, we have read a lot of texts from people. We're reading text messages. Like, we're reading text messages from people. And look, if some of them are coming in tongue-in-cheek and we're reading them verbatim, okay, sure, mea culpa. Uh, But there are a lot of people, you know... 
texting in uh, now following the initial wave of text saying, are people seriously angry the Canucks only secured 53 of 54 points after leading after two periods? Talk about glass half empty. Uh, Kurt in the North Shore. I had a weird dream. Canucks were leading the NHL in points and sending five players to the All-Star game. We can all dream, can't we? That one's from Kurt in the North Shore. And uh, this one, I, I love how mad fans get after one loss. Uh, can we talk about the Selly by Elvis Murs Lickens after the game? It followed the team won a playoff series with that reaction. Now, I imagine uh, he hasn't played in, was it, uh, something like, 25 days or something like that it's been eight games since he's played and there's rumors about him you know being moved out of columbus so and his one start ends up going against the vancouver canucks first and goals four per game number one in the league and all that so uh, he wasn't exactly set up for success today elvis was <laughs> so i can understand his celebration uh, i didn't look to see how the rest of the team celebrated but certainly mers lickens yeah had cause to be you know jubilant given he's not in the uh, best of spots here right now yeah no no Absolutely. And I, I can understand why some emotion for him, 17 games, not playing 17 days, not having not played, asking for a trade and everything. So I understand why he was as, as as fired up as he was. But obviously, you know, Columbus is going nowhere fast so far this season. But for them, they picked up a victory. Um, and, and to show you how hard it's been for them this year, they only have nine regulation wins. It's a team that has a really hard time winning, yeah. but they found a way to win in a, in a shootout here today against the Vancouver Again, Canucks. For all, the, for all the texts, okay, we read them as we as they come in. If the initial wave is negative texts, that's the reaction we're going to read. Then the following positive ones come in. All right, we're just we read a bit of everything. It's, it's a text message. Yes. Just come in. We read, we react to you. It's a post game show. It's fan reaction text inbox and on the phone boards. And uh, somebody says you guys are brave going to the phone boards. It's a po- it's a post game show. We we, 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 we take, take your calls. Your calls, man. And you know what? let's take another call right now. We're, we're not. I'm not scared to go to the phone board. Six zero four two eight zero zero six fifteen. Let's go to Poco where our friend Paul is on the line. Paul, thanks for calling in, man. Uh, what are your thoughts today? Uh, you guys should be terrified right now. <laughs> um, you know, I've been watching the Canucks for well over 40 years, and I can tell you it's the first time I've ever watched a game having a cup of coffee and a Sasha's McMuffin. Um, you know, at 10 a.m. this morning was just crazy. But um, I wanted to watch that game in particular because I knew it was the last game of this long road trip. It had a tremendous success. And I really want to see it would give a good measure of how how well they're going to be playing and so forth because you know they're all anxious to get home. Um, my my only critique uh, is my concern about uh, Kuzmenko because I like him and I think that he's a, a terrific player. Um, it's just that uh, you know when he came here he wasn't a rookie so he's been playing hockey for an awfully long time on a professional level and now you're asking him to kind of change his ways as as the player that he is and uh and you can see that's what makes him struggle I mean, it, it, he struggles with it because like i say it's it's like any professional including yourselves if you're a professional uh radio host and you're doing a show and then somebody comes in you have a new boss and they tell you okay this is the new format and you have to change everything um it takes time to address that and it's 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 a very difficult process so that's why i'm thinking as as he would be Someone of somewhat of an asset. I'd hate to see him go, but definitely, I think that uh, I think it's you know best that we find some a new home for him and uh, bring in some help for our our defense. Uh, thanks for the phone call. That's Paul calling in. Um, getting help on defense. Is Kuzmenko going to get you the help you want on defense? Like the asset or the the effort by the player? The asset. 
probably not the type of help you want. Like maybe different story in the off season, but if if you're looking to get quality come the trade deadline, um, if he's part of a bigger deal, yeah, maybe. But as as the central figure, but for less of the point there from uh, was it Paul? I'm blanking. Yeah, Paul. Paul. It's true. Like you know, Andre Kuzmenko is going through this process. But we're talking like th- th- this has been going on for a year now, and it's not like Rick Tockett's asking them to be Yuri Lettinen on the wing or anything like that. It's do certain things that we ask all of the players to do. Well, yes, and I think that's the bigger thing. It's 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 not even so much defensively. It's if you're the first forward in, you have to forecheck. Like it just you just have and to there, forecheck. There absolutely have been games where Andre Kuzmenko has been slow, lazy about it taking awful angles there absolutely has been games where this has happened and this isn't about scoring or right defensive reads in the defensive zone this is basic stuff that rick tockett has asked and demanded of all the players dakota joshua went through this connor garland has gone through this and all of them have come out better so this idea that andre kuzmenko is being pushed to become this different completely different player even if Andre Kuzmenko gets to average defensively, do you think that's what they value for a guy that's getting over $5 million? No, I don't think so. I don't think of that's course what they're not. looking. No, it's they're, more, they're not going to turn him into the sulky winger. But it's the same thing. as The, the example I like to sh- say is if a defenseman pinches and you're the forward that has to cover, you got to cover. That's your job. That's part mm-hmm. of the system and how you play. And if you don't do things like that, for instance... That how it impacts your overall play. And that's what they're asking of Kuzmenko more than anything else. I don't think they're asking of him to be something he's not. It's literally like you got to do your job when it's your time to do the job. That's just how you play as a cohesive five-man unit. Uh, a lot of reaction on a text inbox, 650, 650. Um, a lot of reaction to Bort. You said, this one says you should have aborted that phone call. <laughs> a lot of jokes coming in. A lot in. of jokes. Yeah, I don't want to put jokes. people on blast. I, don't, I, sorry, I read the one. That's yeah. all I did. There's tons more. I'm trying, I'm trying to do my best not to read too many of them. But uh, a lot of these text messages coming in. Uh, and this one says, play the lotto line until PD signs. The reason I brought up, and I wonder how long they'll keep the lotto line together, is, is the coach himself has said it's situational. So when, when Rick Tockett himself comes out and says, hey, it's situational, it makes you wonder how long and what does he want to see from them in order to keep that line together. In terms of results today, well, that line scored on the power play and on five on five. But in terms of the second line, Jim Rutherford himself mentioned they want to add a top six forward. What is separating the Canucks from being like a legitimate, hey, like a true cup contender, right? Outside of what they're doing so far in the regular season is at least a player short. If you add a top six forward, and you're open to adding on defense if you can, but in terms of a top six forward, if you can add another guy that's a legitimate player, then you're not so worried about splitting Pedersen from the lotto line again. Because then all of a sudden you have a running mate for him. The question is, what does it cost to find that running mate for Pedersen? And what are your realistic options at this stage? Uh, 650-650, Brian and Richmond can't not chime in on all this Kuzmenko type uh, talk. Turning point of the game, uh, Miller taking that high-sticking penalty. Dumb penalty, give up a shorthanded goal, uh, and the wave of momentum went against us. And a lot of texts also coming in about um, schedule loss as well coming in. And yeah, it, it certainly was, but... Uh, 
they get their point. You got to pick they get their point. point. Got eleven out of fourteen points so far. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty. We'll take more of your phone calls as well as the show goes on here six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty. But how does the head coach feel about this winning their la- winning five out of eleven five out of seven on the road trip picking picking up eleven out of fourteen points lost their last game? But how does the coach feel about the trip in general? And here he is. Coach, able to get a point at the tail end of a, a long road trip. What do you take from the group today? We grinded. I mean, we're, we're a tired group. I mean, it's kind of some mistakes that we usually don't make. I think it was just a mentally, it was a tough game for some guys. Um, but we hung in there, you know. Had to lead there uh, late to third and got to give them credit. Columbus worked hard. They worked hard through the neutral zone. Tough. They got some young skill. They're, they're, they're an up-and-coming team. What impressed you most about the way this group played and found different ways to win through this trip? Well, I mean, it's been a hell of a trip. You know, it's like I said, you know, there's been a lot thrown at the guys. Um, and you could tell, you know, men- mentally fatigued. But um, like I said, you know, to grind out a point at this stage, uh, the seventh game going home. So I think it's just a nice to get ho- get on that plane and get uh, get home. Yeah, safe to say everyone's ready to go. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you, can, you know, it's a, it's a long trip, you know. And, you know, it's just guys to see their families and stuff like that. It's been a while. So it's been two weeks. So it's nice to get home and... Uh, kind of reboot reboot ourselves hell of a trip got really proud of the guys and you know you got to give them a lot of credit i mean uh, you know digging hard to even get this point that's the head coach digging hard even to get this point and i know they can't wait to get back home a long road trip mm-hmm. but that's really something you have to feel pretty good about like just how this road trip has gone in general and when we you get to this point year. you're not yeah. going to be overly upset about that last game when you already won five of these seven we absolutely started this year talking about like how difficult this road trip was going to be 11 points 11 points that's a job well done on the road trip tonight yeah okay look it was difficult it wasn't easy uh you know the the, the preparation of the game was different for this team it wasn't a normal s- schedule all these things, should you be able to overcome? Do they play back-to-backs and all this scenario? Yeah, of course. Uh, but this is, you know, for, for a group of players, you know, we always talk about creatures to have it. This is a little bit different. Morning game and everything. They get their point. You're not going to hear a lot of criticisms from uh, us two overall of where this team is heading. This game to me is not reflective of what this team has done and where they could be going the rest of these uh, this season. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as how far they can go the rest of the season, it's really becoming a lot, let's say, a lot more um, interesting to project truly what their ceiling is as a team. Because right now with the type of record they have, the type of results they built up, and the type of seasons their top guys are having, it really just kind of asks the question, what more do they need? How far can this team go? And some would even go as far as saying, don't do anything to, to disrupt the chemistry on this team. I wouldn't yeah. go as far as that. Like I mentioned even you know, numerous times, I'm not afraid of, of, uh, of making moves or, or making this team better than what, what it is. But with how they play, like it's changed the conversation significantly. And when you come back from this type of road trip to begin the year, 5-1-1, one, and one, well, people's imaginations, you can't blame them for letting them get away from them a little bit right now. Absolutely. Uh, 650, 650. Uh, Chris in Vancouver, as much discussion is being had about uh, Kuzmenko right now, uh, I'm curious to see whether the microscope gets turned on Mikheyev on a team where success has exploded as lines and players find their identity. He seems uh, slower to do the same. If there were a player to deal for an upgrade, is he that player? You know, it, it just feels like the the true role for Ilya Mikheyev has never really emerged. 
Uh, yeah. You know, look, and, and it's injury-related, right? But he doesn't play on the penalty kill. Although he did play more. He played a minute 54 in the PK today. He's been playing a bit more in the PK recently. Mm-hmm. Is he starting? Are they starting to put him out there on the PK a bit that, more? That would be a nice sign. Because um, he played sixteen fifty eight, got some time in, mm-hmm. in, in in overtime too. But, but that to me, like when they signed Mikheyev, the first thought for me was penalty kill. Yeah, he can be really good at, and it hasn't been there with enough regularity. Now again, yeah, tonight it started to creep up, uh, but still, to me, he should be the first. Uh, winger out there ahead of Dakota Joshua. And Joshua's been good, but like Bluger, Mikheyev, now it's Bluger and Joshua at 5-on-5. Five five. Maybe they just understand each other a lot better. But Mikheyev should be the team's number one winger penalty killer. Mm-hmm. And that role has never emerged because, you know, how much trust can you have in, or how much trust does he have in his knee right now? Still coming back here in the last three weeks, we've really seen him open it up a bit more. So I, I understand the text to say should there be more focus on Mikheyev, and certainly, um, you know, he hasn't produced um, here recently in some chances that he's had, but he's producing those chances, which is good. But once he gets to that stage, I, I still think this is still the the recovery stage for Ilya Mikheyev, as as much as that's hard to hear. But until you get to a spot where you're really seeing the best version of him i just think you should kind of wait and see yeah no i'm there with you keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox 65650 dunbar lumber you can grab a phone line as well 604-280-0650 the canucks lose 4-3 in a shootout against the columbus blue jackets and this is the canucks central post game show presented by the number five orange so the game is over but is your day really done the number five is open more coming up on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Big Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. New shooter for the Canucks, two for three in his career. He's got to score. Into the slot. Shooter deeks to the backhand. Stopped by Merzlikens, and the Blue Jackets win. They spoil the Canucks' end of the road trip. Vancouver finishes 5-1-1 through seven games. And the perfect record when leading after two periods is in the past. Vancouver now 26-0-1 when taking a lead to the third period. The Blue Jackets take it 4-3 in Columbus. The Canucks will be disappointed on how that one ended. A comeback victory for the Columbus Blue Jackets. But looking at this road trip as a whole, they get a point here. They also pick up five victories on top of that. Canucks lose 4-3 in a shootout against the Columbus Blue Jackets, but pick up, pick up a point and now have extended their point streak to six games, 5-0-1 over that stretch of games, over their seven-game road trip. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. And we do have a lot of reaction on the text inbox. 650-650. A lot of different uh, opinions and also some jokes. Aichi in Toronto says, Kuzmenko's lack of production is not a result of poor management. Also, we're going to need the new cover letter on all the TPS reports. Okay, that's Aichi in uh, <laughs> Toronto texting it. That's good. That's good. Very good. <laughs> we're going to need you to come in early on Monday. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Mark, that's great. Yeah, that's really good. Marcus and Gibson says, we have three lines rolling. Would all four lines sure be nice, but I'm okay if one is off and needs to be sorted out. Yeah, you're 
You're not talking about uh, many issues. You're talking about fewer issues. And that shows you how far the Canucks have come this year. Uh, certainly, uh, as evidenced by their third period record, which takes a hit. They're no longer perfect. 26-0-1. Yeah, it's going to happen. And my, well, and I mentioned this on, on social media. Somebody said, how can you say it was good that they picked up a point? They, they had a lead in the third. Well, listen, they're not going to win every game. They're not going to pick up 100% of the points. And no team is going to go perfect and undefeated by having a lead going through the third period. Like, has that, I'm not even sure if that's happened in NHL history. A team's been undefeated all year with a pe- lead going into the third period. Maybe if they're like 2-0. and Yeah, but if you had like, you know, 25 <laughs> yeah. and 26-0, you, you are going to lose some games where you have that. Like, those things are going to happen over a course of a long season. And when a team's picked up now 62 points through the first 44 games, I'm just going to have a hard time being overly upset when it's at the end of a road trip the travel issues they had yesterday, and you still picked up a point. Like, it's, I'm not going to sit here and, and tear a strip off the team because they finally lost. Admonish the game. them. Uh, we we did get a text though. Someone asking through, through these last six games, how much have they been trailing? Because it feels like it was only a couple of minutes. Sit down here. The last six games, they trailed for 53 seconds. <sighs> 53 seconds. That's yeah. it. Mike, the urologist from Brockville, texted that in right now, too. Here's a stat that's ridiculous. 53 seconds without the lead. Has that ever happened before? I'm not sure if it's happened for the Canucks. Yeah. You're going to lose every once in a while. It's going to happen. You drop some points. It's easier to, to stomach that when you've, when you've piled up a ton of them like the Canucks have so far. Uh, 650. 6.50. Keep coming in with the text messages. Uh, this one managed a schedule loss today. I like it. Fantastic trip. Hope they get a big reception to open the Coyotes game on Thursday. They earned it. Is it time for fans uh, to up our game now that the team has? The, t- the trip showed they are for real. Time for Vancouver fans to get amped up. And the energy in the arena. That's from Dan and Poco. It's something we were asking last game after the win, right? You have five wins on this road trip. Fans haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. You know, there's the, the short Christmas uh, homestand, what, Philadelphia and Ottawa. That was that was it. And so this is the fans' chance. Thursday, I think, is going to be uh, a, a big ovation and a big atmosphere. But I think Saturday might be unhinged yeah, versus it's be. the Toronto Maple Leafs. No matter what happens against the Coyotes game, that game is going to be absolutely bonkers. I do wonder if it's a potential letdown spot, too, right? Long Coyotes, road trip, come back first home, game back. First but, game but, back. But here's the thing. Like, you know, I was okay with this game here. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be as like, hey, it happens if you have a letdown on home. Because... You, they, you shouldn't have it. No, on, no, and, and, I, and, yeah, and I'm it. not going to say like today because of everything that happened leading up to the last game of road trip. You've you've been so terrific picking up the points. I'm again, it is what it is. Fine, I'm not I'm not worried about it, and I'm not going to be critical over what happened today. But if you have a letdown against Arizona, if you lose the game, I can handle you losing. Sometimes you play a good game. Arizona's been good. They play good defense. They're opportunistic. They're hard to break down. They might beat you. That might happen. I don't want to see a letdown. And it's also the reason I don't want to see it, Bick, is because they've done a really good job of being professional in those spots where we expected them to have a letdown and they haven't. Like today, it really, they, they kind of petered out as the game went on. They kind of lost a lot of their energy. But the first five, six minutes of that game, they're all over Columbus. Had like two great scoring chances. Mm-hmm. Besser had two fantastic ones. They did get the one nothing lead. And the first shot Columbus got, and the Canucks were like up 7 nothing in shots, they scored on. So I, I thought they were ready to play. I don't want to see them, you know, have an unprofessional game on mm-hmm. Thursday. But to your point, no matter what happens on Thursday, that game on Saturday against Saturday is going to be the one. Yeah. Saturday is going to be the one where it gets uh, charged up. And then uh, Chicago would have been a good one, but obviously no Connor Bedard now in that scenario. So. 
Yeah, that's a little too bad. Yeah. Uh, Jason in Vancouver, we got the Lotto line and Lotto Max. Perhaps it's unfair to some players who've sat out healthy, but how about a scratch and win? <laughs> okay, I, I did want to ask about should this. Should that be the third line? The, the scratch and win? The third line? Because they, they grind it out? The scratch and they win. Yeah. Scratch and claw for everything they yeah. can get. That's not bad. Play off the Lotto line? But what if you scratch somebody and they win the game? Uh, I think ja- yeah. Jason is uh, alluding to that. Yeah. Now, joking, obviously. Uh, now, I think this player has been fantastic since he's come over to Vancouver. Great presence defensively. I don't have a lot of criticisms of his play, but I did think Ian Cole struggled. People texted in too. Yeah. Talked about, you know, Ian Cole had a bit of a tough game He's also game playing today, the other side. Which Last is, game, there was a couple of moments where it's like you saw on like a DDD pass in the Ozone where, you know, if that's a righty, it's just taken cleanly, fired to the net, and he bobbled it a couple of times because he's taking it on his backhand. So there's a couple of moments when you really see the impact of the lefty being on the right side. I'm not taking Ian Cole out of the lineup. No, but it begs the question in general because the coach has shown a reluctance to have two lefties out there. He mm-hmm. likes to have the righty lefty. They have Noah Juleson there. I still like Cole. Like I want him to play. It's one of those things. They gave him a maintenance day before. They want to have the righty lefties if they can. They want mm-hmm. to get Noah Juleson involved into the lineup. And I wonder if games like this makes them want to maybe rotate Juleson in more because he played. Now he sat out two games. Do they try to rotate him into the lineup a bit more? So you'll have Tuesday. You'll have Wednesday off. So, you, I mean, I don't imagine you'll need a maintenance day for Ian Cole. I still think if you're trying to make a rotation, it's between Zadorov and Juleson. Interesting. I thought Zadorov was all right today, but... Except for, like, I mean, Cole was the one out of position, playing the right side a yeah. couple of times. And the wraparound goal, Cole was on the ice for too. It means Zadorov doesn't get the puck out, has yeah. trouble behind the net with the puck as well, Ian Cole on that goal. Uh, but, again, he, like, he's been so good for the whole year. Are, are you doing it just off one game, or are you doing it on the body of work? The body of work for Ian Cole has been significantly better than Nikita Zadorov's. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, we, we mentioned about holding a lead going into the third period. This is what I love about our inbox. A lot of our uh, listeners will do the work for us. Nice. And Chet and Burnaby says, think how good the Canucks are. They'd have to go 35-3 and three to equal Boston last season. Oh, wow. Okay. No, maybe they mean 35-3, and three, their record. Maybe that's what the point is. Going uh, into the third period? Or just overall. They gotta, yeah. Uh, leading after two last year, uh, Boston was, no, they were way better than that. Uh, they were 47-1-2. 47-1-2, but they lost one game. Yeah, well, three games. Three games. But, I mean, lost one in regulation. Yeah. You actually had a regulation loss in it. Again, no team goes, even great teams in the third don't go perfect like it's going to happen. So those are the types of things that you are going to see. I did want to also throw something else by you here, Bick. Hit me. Don't actually. (laughs) I'm not not, going to. Why are you winding up? No, no, no. no, Sorry, I'm not going to (laughs) actually. Casey the Smith. Yeah. And... Casey the Smith, yeah, maybe one of the goals wasn't great. He made a number of great saves here. I thought they did a good job of getting him into a game here. Mm-hmm. Somebody brought up a point during our text inbox, and we mentioned this right now with the rotation of getting Juleson into a game, and you can take a guy like Cole out or whatever, and you have the luxury because of the start you have on the season. Are they going to be at a point where they can actually give Thatcher Demko a full day off on a home game where you can send... You can uh, recall C-Lobs at a point. Now, it depends on the cap. Oh. That's the, the biggest issue is the cap here. Yeah. Honestly, the biggest issue is the cap. But are they actually going to be able to be in a spot where they can not only start Casey the Smith and feel good about it, but 
even have somebody from Abbotsford come up be the be the backup so they can give uh, Thatcher Demko a full day off. Yeah, the, the the cap implications on that feel. I think there would have to another injury would have to happen, or yeah. somebody would have to get sent down because right now the Canucks are pretty much capped out. Yeah, that, in doing that, so. that feels difficult to accomplish. But if you're mapping this out here, is there a start for DeSmith on this homestand? Is the the Chicago game, or do you give him the Columbus game again? Because there's days between games here. It's 18th, 20th, 22nd, 24th, 27th is when these games are. So it's not as as if there's a back-to-back. Uh, then you go into the All-Star break. Maybe give him the Columbus and give a, Demko a really extended break with him going to the All-Star game as well. Yeah. That could be the spot. Maybe that's the spot you can do it for. But it depends on, on the situation. I, you know, I thought about those things as being positives, but you can't really explore doing those things when you're really entrenched in a big race. And that's not to say the Canucks have punched their ticket to the postseason or whatever but because of the cushion they're building up and right now um depending on what happens with the la kings who are playing they can add to their lead above the la kings and the team to really you know look at right now is believe it or not the Edmonton oilers charging up the standings they've won 10 games in a row and if you're la you're terrified about losing your spot in the top three and it's one of those things where i get people saying hey with how edmonton is playing you got to pick up as many points as you possibly can and they might be the team to keep an eye on you are going to drop some points here along the way but i understand people mentioning edmonton and saying hey can those can those guys really make it interesting here for the division as we get closer they can make it interesting for the division i don't know if they can make it interesting for vancouver it's 15 points 15 points like edmonton's gonna like Yes, the Canucks are going to drop points. I still don't think they're going to finish 705. I think they probably hover around 675 hockey. Uh, but Edmonton's 15 points back. Like They're going to slip up a little bit too. Mm-hmm. We, we, we saw it literally here this year. Now, I think Edmonton's team is better than what Vancouver's was last year. But it's been such a ridiculous pace by the Oilers. They've been the second best team since Chris Knobloch has taken over. I, I just can't imagine they're going to play 800 hockey from November onwards. No, it's just, I mean, who knows? Who knows? But that's the team to kind of keep an eye on. I, I, I would worry if the Canucks go over a 10-game stretch and win two games or something. Yeah. And Edmonton wins like seven or eight of those games, nine games now. Like what LA's doing right now. Yeah. That's what you want to avoid doing, and if you can, obviously. Uh, but we do do have a lot of reaction on a text inbox, 65650. Uh, we had a text here I wanted to read uh, now. Now, it's a ton of text coming in. Uh, I can't really find it right now, but I'll read this one instead until we get there. Um, if Vegas doesn't get some goaltending soon, they're the ones most likely to fall into the wild card. L.A. has too many games in hand. Uh, fair, but the way L.A. is going, like they have to win those games in hand. They've lost eight mm-hmm. in a row. And I think that's the big issue here for them. And, you know, depending on what happens here against this Carolina Hurricanes team, you can have the games in hand. You still have to win those games in hand. And that's a lot easier said than done oftentimes. Uh, it's five games in hand. So let's just say they win all five, put them four points back at the Canucks. But, yeah, again, they have not trended very well here. They're having issues. Dubois right now. Um, Drew Doughty's tweeting at fans. For the first time in two years. Uh, <laughs> I saw that. So he hasn't been on Twitter for years. And then he responds to a tweet. Yeah. Like a most random tweet about trading. Uh, what Trading Matt Roy. Roy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, Vegas Eichel something to monitor here. Uh, looks like that was. If he's out. I think the biggest thing to be concerned mm-hmm. about for them is if Eichel's out long term. Mm-hmm. And when we heard Elliot talk about him uh, during headlines on Saturday. Kind of perked everybody's attention a bit. Because like wait wait. Like 
he's bringing this up as if this can be long term. So we're all kind of waiting to see what that is. Nav in Houston says, uh, I'm happy with the point. Like you said, we can't win them all. After a long trip and extra traveling to get there for an early game, can't blame the guys for being tired. Kuzi looks better. I think they need to find someone to replace McKay up on that line and move him down or trade him. He has stone hands. And I mean, yeah, the thing I'd say about Mikheyev, he, he doesn't have great hands. He can shoot and score a little bit. But he's a 20-goal scorer, 22-goal mm-hmm. scorer, which means you're not going to score for 50, 60 games. You know, that's just the reality of guys that score 20 goals. You'd rather have them, but they're going to leave you kind of wanting more oftentimes. But I, I think in terms of right now, where they're trying to generate a bit more offense, Suter, Mikheyev, and Kuzmenko, it hasn't really come together. They've had some good territorial play, but it hasn't really come together in terms of the finished product and the bottom line. Yeah, it's it's lacking... Well, lacking some high end. Yeah, it's lacking offensive creativity. And I like Pew Suter a lot. And mm-hmm. somebody was asking us before, is he a legitimate second line center? I love the role he's on in this team. Play up and down your lineup, can mm-hmm. do a lot of different things. But I don't think he's he's a he's a surefire second line center on a cup contending team. No. And you know, that's like, why it comes Surprise, surprise, why is the demand for a top six forward right now? Yeah. Exactly. Well, well, why is the president of the team openly discussing acquiring a top six forward? You can just look at it and say, Okay, well, this is the candidate to slide down the line, and it'd be okay. Again, he's being used in this utility role. It's it's fine to get another strong player, and then Suter can go back to his utility role. Right now, he's playing second line center, and you need him to play second line center. Yeah, no, you do right. Uh, Hussein from Coquitlam says it's time to make uh, the second line Mikheyev, Suter, and Hoaglander. Kuzmenko is not cutting it. Hoaglander will bring some good forechecking and better bottom line. Twelve goals this year. Fair point. But well, there's I, a lot of calls from Hoaglander to go on the power play too. We were talking about some guys to go on there. Sure. I don't know if he's the natural net front guy. I know he's scoring on tips and rebounds, but is he the natural guy you want on that line? Yeah, I mean, you want to give it a run. Sure, I don't mind. But the one thing I would say, and I, and I get Hussein's point, and others asking the same question, and I'm not against it because of you know what's going on why not give him a chance but i think one of the big lessons this year to to really take to heart is putting players in roles where they can succeed and i don't think it's a coincidence that bluger's crushing his role garland's crushing his role joshua's crushing his role hoagland is crushing his role playing 11 12 minutes a game oman's really doing well in his role same thing with pew Suter. but when you're asking guys to do more than they're capable of that's when i think you get away from their overall utility and positivity and that's why i don't mind trying these things big but ultimately if you can add a real top six guy and let these guys cook in their roles which they're having so much success in that's the best recipe for success that's the way I would view it. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, Dunbar Lumber, 650-650. You can grab a phone line as well. We'll hear from JT Miller on the other side. Picked up a couple of points today. Canucks did, however, lose in a shootout. Plus, Ian McIntyre will join us as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on, presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shaw. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Garland back to center for Bluger. Right wing into the blue jacket and dumps it to the corner. Joshua goes after Andrew Peake on the forecheck. Gets it free for Bluger in front for Garland. He scores. Connor Garland all alone in the slot. Wires it past Merzlik in stick side. And the Canucks have the lead back. It's 2-1 with 5.06 remaining in the first. And the third line produces off the forecheck. No surprise there as Dakota Joshua and Teddy Bluger. Simple play. Get the puck deep. 
And Dakota Joshua goes to work. A good hit on Andrew Peak. Bluger picks up the puck and a no-look feed to Connor Garland. And he slams it behind Merzlikens. This is what chemistry looks like, knowing where your teammate's going to be on the ice. And that's exactly what happens there as Connor Garland makes it 2-1. Beautiful goal by Connor Garland. Great setup from good work from Dakota Joshua and a nice behind-the-back feed from behind the net from Teddy Bluger to Connor Garland. Not enough for the Canucks who lose 4-3 in a shootout in Columbus against the Blue Jackets. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sports and 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox 650-650 and we'll hit your questions and comments. A ton of them coming in here uh, today. Uh, you, you'd wonder sometimes you know, Canucks playing early, You know, a lot of people watching, a lot of people interested. Canucks fans are hugely invested. Wait, in this team chance. is rolling? Bosses understand. 100%. 100%. Uh, we did have somebody's boss text in. We won't read his name. Is saying, <laughs> this guy always texts in even when he's not working, so he's done. I'm going to fire him. So I won't say who it is. I don't know if it was a joke or not. I felt kind of bad, so I'm going to leave it for now. But uh, I, I, I certainly don't condone anybody losing their jobs over watching the Canucks, but you do you, man. Do what you got to do. Enjoy, uh, enjoy, enjoy the run. 650-650. Florida lost to Anaheim in a shootout at home. Surprise. Good teams lose to bad teams. Mm. Perspective coming in, in the inbox as well. Yeah, you're going to lose some games. It's going to happen. You know, and I'm, I'm far less concerned about these things uh, when the team uh, has won as many games as the Vancouver Canucks have and, and the way they've played so far uh, this season. Um now, there's a lot of stuff going on with this game, too. And Elvis Merzlikens is going to be interesting. Now, before we do that, JT Miller's from Ohio. Mm-hmm. And he had two points today. Uh, bit of an uneven game at times. You know, he had a couple turnovers. Uh, he took a penalty. But he was terrific when it comes to his offensive abilities. Up to 60 points on the season. And here is JT Miller postgame meeting with the media. Listen, that was a, uh, a good road trip. Like, we had a, uh, you know, we came together as a team, I thought. Um, you know, wanted some really fun environments to play in, some hard teams, and uh, you know, we just didn't we just didn't play well today. There's not a whole lot to like about it, if I'm being honest. So, I love that we got a point. Casey was on the rail. Um, it could have been way worse than it was, and I really don't even really want to spend like I don't think as a group. I mean, we're doing a good job lately. I mean, that was just kind of a dud for us. I think we know that, but we're gonna we have a high expectation, and we'll get back to where we need to be for next game. You guys have been so great this whole trip. What do you? What did you learn? What's your biggest takeaway about this group and your resilience and what you're able to do? Well, I think just that. I mean, I think all the good teams find ways to uh, to get points in games and um, you know to hang with it. I guess in the third period. I mean, you know, I was uh, we were just a little sloppy. We looked a little tired. I mean, just a little bit of everything. Like it was just kind of the domino effect today. So it kind of sucks to see it, but especially before the game, you know, we really wanted to talk about grinding this one out, and uh, we did, but. You know, we, we, we know what our level of play is, and I think we're going to move on. Safe to say everyone's really excited to go home. Yeah, I, I'm ready. It feels like a month road trip. And like I said, we enjoyed it. You know, it was fun. We, we had a, you know, some played in some really important games for our group, and we excelled in most of it. So we're, we're happy with where we're at. We don't like the way that we played today, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, good to, we're excited to go home. Uh, that is JT Miller post game. Uh, didn't love how they played, but happy they picked up a point. And it's one of those things. Yeah, I mean, the, wasn't the Canucks cleanest game? Like I mentioned, maybe they're not their best performance, maybe their worst performance in the road trip overall. Uh, you can compare it to that game in St. Louis. But considering the circumstances, considering everything going on, just picking up a point, you're happy with it and you move on. And I think that's kind of the mentality JT had there. Certainly, and you, you, I think you could hear the relief that the road trip is over yeah. there in his voice at the end, just talking about going back home and how long it's felt like this road trip. So and it just feels like at, at this stage, how much are you extracting out of this game, right? The mm-hmm. investment 
internally, you know, some players can understand that, hey, we're here at the end of this. Let's just get through this. If you're properly assessing this team, um, is the Toronto game going to be a better example? Is the St. Louis game coming up going to be a better example? Mm-hmm. Or just a, 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 in a road trip with a fresher? Yeah, there's a five-gamer coming up. Carolina, Boston, Detroit, Washington, Chicago. Uh, is that a chance to kind of look at them? But overall, again, I, I think they, they kind of keep their chins up getting a point out of this one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, we do have a lot of reaction on text inbox. And, and a lot of people are criticizing uh, the head coach for choosing Pew Suter to take a shootout attempt over Niels Hoaglander. So Niels Hoaglander, for his career, has one shootout attempt, and he didn't score on it. So he has one shootout attempt. Coming into this game, Pew Suter had three shootout attempts. He scored two on him, two of them. It's a small sample. It's only mm-hmm. three, but he scored two of them. This is four, so now he's two, two out of four on him. With how the season has gone, how Hoaglander has gone, I get it. But in terms of, like, you know, if you look at the attempts, there's not a lot of track record. And in the few attempts Pew Suter has had in his career, he has scored on them. So I don't think this came from a place of on you know no education or not knowing what's going on or whatever i think the the reference is do you just ride the hot hand a guy who's been scoring more goals they usually have some rhyme or rhythm to this of yeah. okay this guy is supposed to do this and somewhat set and maybe because it's in ohio jt goes higher than usual uh you know some circumstances uh come to be but you know I, i'd like to see brock betzer go above pew suter <laughs> yeah mean, he's Scores a lot of goals. He does. And Brock Bester, for his career, has had 23 shootout attempts, scored five of them. 21%. 21.7. So lower than JT's. Lower than JT's. Not great. It's not great. Mm -hmm. So, and and I'm not, you know, I agree. Like, I would ride the hot hand, especially Bester, but... To show you the numbers, even though he's limited attempts, Pew Suter had the best percentage heading into this game from the guys we were mentioning, but obviously they didn't score on his attempt. No connected, and they all ended up uh, being saved by Elvis Merzlikens, who had quite the celebration post game uh, as soon as the game ended. Uh, you know, pumping his fists, kicking yeah. his leg up, a lot of frustration for him with the situation uh, in Columbus. And Bick, uh, apparently post game, he was uh, very honest too about so, the situation. So there's two scenarios here, okay? Because we mentioned it before as well, where you hadn't played in a while. There's been these rumors of, you know finding an exit uh, in Columbus. And I think he went out and said, like, he hasn't requested a trade, but there's an idea that, like, all parties may be looking to find their way out of this. But he did two media interviews. There's the one right after where, you know, traditionally you've seen guys come on the show on the walk-off. Yeah. And he had some great quotes. So we have the audio for that one. We don't have the audio where he did the regular media availability, but apparently in that one he did mention that he's now requested a trade after this game. And so you can hear the the emotion in his voice that will play for you on the walk-off. But here it is from Bally Sports. Elvis, there's been a lot of talk in the, in the days leading up to this game. How good did it feel to go out there and let your, your play speak for itself? Well, it definitely was an easy game for me. Uh, I didn't play it a while. And, you know, I, I, like, like when I was talking back there, I, I said, like, when I'm going to have my chance, I have to... I'm not gonna have time. I have to get right away in uh, in the moment in the game, and uh, and I try doing that. I did not like my third goal in PK, uh, but I take it because again I didn't play a while. I, I'm in the start of the game. I did not feel well. The puck each period was better and better, and better. Third period was awesome. Overtime and, and and the penalty shots. I'm really happy about it. Yeah, I mean, as the game rolled out, that's the perfect scenario for you because you were feeling at your best when you needed to be, right? 
I'm just mad. I'm gonna tell you honestly. I'm mad, and I'm pulling out the monster out of me now. How did it feel in that overtime? When not only were you perfect in the overtime, but the shootout you handled brilliantly. Sorry, the, the shootout you handled brilliantly. Uh, there, there was no other choices to win. I needed this win. I needed this win, and I got it. And now I'm laughing. Now you can go celebrate a little bit. A lot, a lot. Thanks for the time, Elvis. Thank you. Elvis Merzlikens, the beast came out. He's going to go celebrate a lot. He is jacked up. That's a uh, great quote. That's fantastic. And look, you can just see it. Like he's mentioned, he's like, hey, I've been trying to get my playing time, and it hasn't happened. He hasn't played since December 27th. Yeah. He's a good goalie, and we always talk about you know, setting guys up to succeed. Well, you haven't played in a long time. It's not as if you're coming off injury here. Is Was this setting him up to succeed your first game back against a team that's been scoring a lot here recently, number one team in the league? And do you look at that and say, well, th- thanks, coach. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Thanks for giving me a chance to uh, you know work my way back in here. And you can see the emotion. Like, I... Is it too much, you know, celebrating for yourself more than the team? But given the circumstances, I think you can chalk it up to uh, the human condition. Yeah, and you know what? If you uh, if you want to trade, you better yeah play well. You know, uh, make sure you meet your end of the bargain. And Elvis Merzlikens certainly did. And then that was a great post game availability. Also, you know, as you mentioned, did say to uh, the media scrum that he is or does want a trade out of Columbus. Uh, this text here says, "How come they didn't send Hughes in the shootout? Hughes for his career is over three on shootout attempts. That's not to say." He can score, right? His shot has gotten better. We know he can deke or whatever it is. But to those wondering that are pretty apoplectic at Suter getting an opportunity, why other guys didn't get opportunities, as we went through the numbers, Hugh Suter had, even though small sample, had the best percentage. And the other guys, you know, we, we mentioned Hoaglander 0 for 1 with a one career attempt. Hughes 0 for 3. And Brock Besser, despite having a number of attempts, is that 21% for his career, which is, you know, very average in terms of finishing, but still, you know, better than uh, what, we, what, we, what we saw from the Canucks today. Uh, this one here says maybe they picked Suter because he was the first guy to agree to not go five hole. They all try to go five hole. So uh, jokes for 60 coming in on our dumb bar lumber text in the box, 650-650. All right. Hang on. Can I read this text before right. we get to Ian? Yes. Did you guys even notice Boone Jenner out there? I didn't. Um, Boone Jenner uh, did not play tonight. He's been out with a jaw injury Yeah, for a while. It's, it's hard to be uh, critical of a guy who didn't play. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's bring in the man we call the closer, and he's a triple threat for good reason. You watch him on TV. You read him on digital. You hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. And I have a Say that again, Ian? Yeah, we didn't hear a thing you just said. <laughs> Jimmy's too loud. Pods in. I uh, have my pods in on time today, uh, so I thought I thought it was going to be a smoother entry by me, but obviously not. Sorry. <laughs> you, you know what? The thought you had the right thought execution wasn't great, but Jimmy's just too loud. You know, sometimes that happens. It's been a long trip. It's hard to focus for all these games and have the pods ready and have my stats ready and have my glasses ready. So. Yeah, because God forbid you get a stat wrong. You know what happens uh, yeah. in this market. Well, speak, speaking of stats, let me grab them. So. <laughs> uh, you know, all right. All right. Uh, I, I want to read this text for this tweet from Gordy Locke. Uh, the Canucks didn't have a ton of energy and it was reported. I think Jay Pat mentioned yesterday that the Canucks were having Panda Express at the airport for their team dinner last night before flying <laughs> out to Columbus. Uh, and Gordy Locke says their energy dissipating is evidence that pasta and chicken is better than Panda Express. 
Uh, I don't know. Panda Express <laughs> is pretty darn good for anyone who's had it. The orange chicken. Oh, okay. The, the, the string bean chicken is really good. The honey walnut shrimp is a personal favorite of mine. Very nice. So, so I mean, I guess we can't blame uh, the the Panda Express for for the lack <laughs> no, of energy, but no, you but can't blame the Panda. Express. No, I mean we're just uh, having fun. But considering considering the obstacles for the Canucks ahead of what's always a tough game for the last game of a seven game road trip, and we all know their their travel issues to get to Columbus, uh, how would you grade this performance and overall what they did on this road trip with that context? Well, it was an outstanding road trip, uh, and and. Historically so. I mean, you, you don't, they hadn't had a seven game road trip in six years. And there's a reason you don't have them is because they're debilitating. And no matter how good you are, and most of those six years, the Canucks weren't very good. No matter how good you are, it's hard to be on the road that long and maintain your energy and, and your sharpness. But, you know, five, one and one, especially after the first game against St. Louis, I mean, I don't know what the prop bet odds on that would have been, but you'd have made a lot of money. So today they didn't they didn't have it. It doesn't surprise me that they didn't have it, and it, it's a, probably a combination of a whole lot of things, including their own you know lack of focus. The guys, when they've been on the road that long, and the ordeal that they went through to get to Columbus a day later than expected for a very early start. Um. You know, it's not surprising that the, probably their thoughts were on getting home and and finally getting off the road after whatever it was, 13 days. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago this Wednesday that they went to that they went to um, St. Louis. So this would have been day 13. Tomorrow would be would have been day 14. So it's disappointing uh, the way it ends that they that they don't get a six straight win. But it's also, I think, indicative of of our expectations now that there's so many and listening to your guys show because I had to go out briefly um, how much criticism there is of a game like this after the road trip mm-hmm. that they have had. And I don't mean from you guys, but based on some of the text and a couple of the callers that I listened to before turning the dial. Um, so. You know, I, I'm sure that they're disappointed that they didn't get both points, but they got uh, they got one point while looking while looking dead on their feet. And the other thing about a game like this, and and sad, I I know that you said you know when it comes to the shootout, you don't care, and and I, I'm kind of that way. I care about who they select, and like a lot of people, I'm I was a little baffled by the Pew Suter uh, choice, but. We all know, don't we, that this is a coin flip. Mm-hmm. Like we understand that. So had the had the coin landed tails instead of heads, and the Canucks won this game four three in overtime, would everyone feel a lot better? Master I mean, Strong putting Suter in. I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, probably they would. I'm not saying if Pew Suter scored, but if they just won the game four three in a shootout mm-hmm. with whoever scoring, instead of losing four three. I think the narrative from people would be entirely different, even though the way the Canucks played the game, dead on their feet the last two periods, would have been the same. So it's funny how, you know, the uh, a point, a coin flip, uh, will will skew opinion one way or another. Uh, at the end of the day, 
Uh, I'm sure they're disappointed with today. I'm sure, uh, well, I don't, I was going to say they should be elated with the trip, but they've done such a good job of not getting satisfied. And I don't think that was what today was about. I don't think today was a matter of, well, we've won five in a row, so who cares if we lose this? I think it was, if they had a fault other than fatigue, it was probably just not quite sharp enough focus because they've been on the road so long, they're already thinking about getting home. So fabulous trip, though, five, one, and one. Uh, if you were listening to us earlier, maybe you have thoughts then on our conversation about the second line. Now tonight, they you know the, the shot share was in their favor, but now this is no points for Andre Kuzmenko in eight games. And obviously, we know the conversation right now about oh they're they're trying to make improvements. If there's going to be anything, it's going to be in the top six. Um, the, the the second line, something that they can survive with and get by, but it does feel like it's lacking a bit of punch. Well, I, I think it's lacked punch since they took Ilias Pedersen off that line and, and reunited the Lotto line. And I think uh, I think that's something that will they will look at now as they have a couple of days before they open this homestand on whether it would be better to put Pedersen back. And I think they will. I stand to be wrong, as I often am. But I, I think that the, the Lotto line has cooled the last couple of games I think that they do want to have more from uh, Mikheyev Van Kuzmenko. And I, I think that to get more out of them, you really have to play them with a better, more offensive center. I think Pew Suter has been fine. But, you know, not long ago, he was the fourth line center. In fact, I think before this promotion, he was the fourth line center. And by the way, Bick, I would argue, and I know I'm splitting hairs, that's really been their third line most games because sure. uh, the, the Garland line has been so good, but uh, they need to get more from them. So I, I think the best way to do that is to just put Pedersen back. And it doesn't mean if they do that, you know, it's not like they're saying, okay, well, lotto line, it was nice to see you again. And we'll see you in four years. If you guys are still all here on the team, uh, it could easily go back together the next game. I think it's situational. And certainly when, when, uh, Besser, Pedersen, and Miller were just rampaging through teams like they did those first four games. Uh, that would, that would, you know, it's impossible to break them up. And that's why Talkett was joking when uh, I was still on the road trip and, and talking to Talkett about these things that, you know, if, it, if he can't break it up because they'd get killed in Vancouver because that line was, was so productive. But they got nothing, obviously, in Buffalo uh today they weren't great although they got they got a goal um you know and not not including the power play goal and so i think it's probably time just to 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 freshen things up the team offensively just the uh four goals in in two games against fairly poor teams uh and like you say uh certain guys uh just uh contributing nothing at the moment and you want to find a way to get to get more scoring going again and you know in terms of that and in terms of the quest to improve the team still and we know jim rutherford mentioned he'd love to add a top six forward if, if, they, if they can and patrick alvin echoing similar sentiments about always being open to improving this team uh, how aggressive do you expect them to be here to to add a little bit more to this team and really put them in a position to make some real noise in the postseason well i i i'll give you a little uh, sneak peek 
that I had a, a good conversation. I had a sit-down conversation with Alvin on the road, and we're going to uh, run that interview tomorrow. We'll post that as a as a transcribed question and answer. And so I'm telling you what he told me, uh, uh, that he feels he owes it to the players to put them in the best chance to win. And this is obviously part, you have to look at the context around this, about how those how the team has embraced what it is that, that Talkit ha- has been teaching and have, have sort of played beyond people's expectations. And now that they are in this position near the top of the National Hockey League, with a chance to win... Uh, Patrick Alvin feels like you need to take advantage of that opportunity and he needs as a GM to provide uh, the players who are here to reward them is the term that he used with the best chance possible to win. So I think, I think they're going to be pretty aggressive, but you know, what, what does that mean as far as being pretty aggressive? You know, I don't know if it means it'd be trading their first pick. I don't know if it means it'd be trading their top prospects, but clearly they're, they're, not looking to just leave a good thing alone and see how far these players go. They want to, they want to add to the group and make it even stronger, which I think, uh, as you guys know, by having me on your show, I think is a great idea because again, you can never, you should never be complacent about an opportunity to win because you really don't know from year to year. You, you have a pretty good idea. You have, you have degrees of certainty, but there's no guarantee. I mean, who says that Ilias Pettersson's back next year? And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to start something. I'm not saying he's not going to be back. But, you know, how have those contract negotiations gone so far with him about to be a restricted free agent? Um, who says that Brock Besser's back after next year when his, when his contract is up? So I think, I think it's incumbent on you to, when you have an opportunity to, to, to make the most of it. But of course, that's always, you know, within reason that you can't sacrifice the next five years because you want to have a good run this spring. So, you know, it's it's a fine it's a fine uh, point of balance that I think all GMs who are running teams that they think have a chance to do something in the playoffs have to have to uh, find and and sustain. But the Canucks, I think, they will as they have been since last season ended. If you look at the number of trades they've been involved in, I think they're going to continue to be aggressive. I just saw a headline right now, Ian. Uh, Ian McIntyre suggests negotiations aren't going well, so careful what you well, say there are, sometimes. There are, there are no negotiations, so that would be inaccurate. There, there, you know, there are no negotiations at the moment. Um, Connor Garland uh, gets a goal today, and now this is, you know, the, the production has really improved here in the last 16, 17 games for Connor Garland, and, you know, part and parcel with that line going together as well. But as far as the, like, the team turning things around, it feels like Connor Garland's a pretty good embodiment of uh, things flipping uh, for a player. Yeah, yeah, and I don't, well, I don't really think the team has turned anything around. I think they were very good, and then they had uh, one month where they won one, lost one. I mean, and from now, last been... year to this year. Oh, that's... <laughs> Thank you, Big. Obviously, um, this year they've been good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Connor. Connor plays hard all the time. That's mm-hmm. that's what you love about him. I I would say he has looked this season like the guy that a lot of us remember when he played in Arizona. 
he has looked more involved this season. Uh, I think it's been very smart of Talkett to leave him on that line so that he runs a line and he has the puck an awful lot because I think that's when he's his best. But we see him engaged. We see him in front of the other team's net. We see him usually once or twice a game. He's under somebody's skin. Uh, this is the player that I think uh, the previous regime was hoping they were going to get when they when they made that trade. So that's it's great for him. It's also uh, obviously has been incredibly important to the Canucks that they've had so much secondary scoring. I mean they they have they have led the league in scoring most of the season, and they do have those elite offensive players among their core players up front who are driving that but you you don't score that many goals without having you know waves of secondary scoring and that third line has been excellent that way for a long time they were about the best line but they weren't getting anything on the score sheet and and the last month or so they've gotten they've gotten things on the score sheet almost every game but even beyond that if you look at what Niels Hoaglander and Sam Lafferty have contributed, uh, mostly from the fourth line, but and both of those guys have played up the lineup. But you know, it's it's that kind of scoring that's put the Canucks in this position, and it's that kind of scoring that they're going to need if you're actually going to be successful in April and May. Well, and, and the way the Canucks are going this season, it's really hard to start picking holes uh, in their game. And we talked about their power play and special teams. They did give up a PK goal uh, tonight. The power play did score a goal. Are you seeing enough, though, on the power play despite scoring that you feel like they're on the verge of g- getting on a run? Or do you want to see them do a bit more? No, I'd like I'd like to see a little bit more. The The, the PK has, has improved a lot. I, I don't know what the actual... Uh, percentages if you've broken that down sat sort of in game segments and, and but it's obviously been better lately because it's slowly creeping up uh, the the efficiency rankings and but the power play is is a little bit of a concern and has been has been for a while for a lot of the time when the power play uh, went cool or cold uh, they still looked very dangerous. You know, they would uh, they would spend an entire two minutes in the other team's zone and not be able to generate a goal, even though they had constant pressure and chances. I, I think a lot of the games lately they they haven't they haven't looked that dangerous. So you know, it's it's one thing if you're not scoring, but you're getting chances. And you know, JT Miller said this to me just the other day. It's one thing if you're scoring and not getting, uh, or sorry, not scoring, but getting chances, you still feel good about it. You still have confidence. Uh, but lately, I think there's some games where it doesn't, it doesn't look dangerous and it's getting a little bit uh, predictable again. It was great that, you know, Pedersen hit his spot on his shot today. Um, and uh, it was actually good to see that kind of goal from yeah. him as well. That Everything doesn't have to be the one-timer from the top of the circle that he can, he can still score goals like that when, when he has time to, to, you know, measure a shot and and hit his, and hit his spot. But it seems like at times they've lost this fluidity that they had early on. And it, and it's a lot of guys in, in one, one spot again, you know, that, that this is Miller's spot and this is Quinn's spot and, and so on. I would like to see them try somebody else, uh, around the net, 
and you know you don't know until you try it right but how would dakota joshua be as as a jammer in front and a guy to retrieve pucks um could nils could nils hoaglander be dangerous in that spot or effective in that spot i think that's one thing that they could try but in in the end when you've got people like Pedersen, miller and hughes on the unit they're the ones who are going to have to make it go they're the ones who are going to be responsible for it scoring or not uh, really quickly, I uh, just kind of looked at it in 15 game segments here. So the last 15 would have been 89.8% and the previous 15, 72%. So there's your right. PK stats. Right. So a, bit, so a big a big uptick. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it's funny how it goes in hockey. Rarely do you get to be great at both. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and that's one of the things that made the Canuck team back in 11 uh, so exceptional because they, they led the league in scoring it think they led the league in goals against maybe they were second and both the power play and the penalty killing were very good uh as well and now the the power play is struggling and the pk is going up you you really want to just at a minimum make sure that the two totals add up to a hundred so that you're not you're not a net loser on on special teams and I don't think the Canucks need to be a dominant team on special teams. That's another thing that's changed along the way now that now that we're talking about it. Is you know at the start of the year, I think we all thought, okay, solid team. You know, and the the famous quote now from Rutherford that if, if all if everything goes right, they could they could be a playoff team. But I think we all thought for them to be if they're going to be a good team, then the power play has to be elite. You know, because they're probably not going to score all that much from the bottom half of the lineup. So if you don't have an elite power play, how are they going to win? Uh, and now they they do have scoring from the lower half of the lineup. They don't need the power play to be elite because they've basically been, I mean, look where they are with the power play that they've had for the last almost 30 games now. But, uh, you know, obviously you want it to be better than it's been. And with the players that they have, and all you have to do is look at where they are individually in the scoring race. The power play should be better than it's been for the last while. Yeah, and if you want to, uh, you know, get even higher on the hopium, you can look at how if the if the special teams get even better, then the Canucks can keep this run going. Sixty-two points in forty-four games. It has been tremendous. And Ian, fantastic as always. And look forward to seeing you in studio at the rink, hopefully on Thursday after the Canucks take on the Coyotes. Yeah, have you grown a beard while I've been away? I should clean shave. I actually shave, shave my beard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh. Yeah. okay. Although I think I think it's grown over the past four hours. It has. It. it doesn't take very long. I'll probably have a full right. beard by Thursday. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Well, I look forward to hugs in the media gondola on yeah. Thursday. I know. It's been a long time, Ian. And I can't wait to read your latest on sportsnet.ca. And also, now I'm very curious about uh, your Q&A with Patrick Alvin, which will be up on sportsnet.ca tomorrow. It will. It will. Look for it. Thanks for the plug. You got it. Uh, That is Ian McIntyre, the triple threat. Tremendous as always. And he is a presentation uh, of Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the work site. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. I'm Satyar Shaw. He's Bick Nazar. We're off for the rest of the day, but we have more content coming. The Post Post Show with Josh Elliott Wolf. People Show coming up next. People Show, you're done. Well, I'm done, but Josh Elliott Wolf. I, I don't think we're calling it the Post Post. I think it's literally the People Show. Uh, the tweet said Post Post. Oh, I don't know. Okay. That's what the tweet said. Okay. You're questioning uh, Mr. 650. You go, You bring that up with Mr. I 650. I do that every day. Why yeah, would it be any different? Well, it wouldn't be any different. <laughs>
<laughs> Actually, that sounded kind of evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of moving. And then Canucks talk at four o'clock. Yeah, uh, uh, Dodd and Drance. Dodd and Drance, and Drance has been here since like nine a.m. watching football, football and yeah. uh, watching the hockey game. So I know they'll be wired for four o'clock. But Josh Elliott Wolf is next, and thank you all for listening, participating. I love being part of the show. We look forward to being back at, at it again tomorrow on Connect Central four to six. Bick on the People Show three. And also fast Eddie Gregory producing the show. This has been the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number five orange of Vancouver legend. They've got sports too. More coming up in the home year Canucks. Sportsnet 650.